You're a visionary and you know all is possible in the Web3 space. I welcome you to Freedom with NFTs. I'm Lauren Turton, and in each episode of Freedom with NFTs, I interview NFT enthusiasts who share their tools, tips, and tricks so you can dive even deeper into creating your version of freedom with NFTs and Web3 technology. New episodes drop every Tuesday and Thursday, so hit subscribe so you can stay dialed in to Freedom with NFTs. If you've been around Freedom with NFTs for a little bit, you know that nonprofits are near and dear to my heart. I volunteer as vice president of Help the Kani, a small nonprofit that supports women and children in Southern India. I'm very excited to learn about how nonprofits can leverage Web3 technology with Josh Hirsch, who is the social content marketing manager for Susan G. Komen. Welcome to Freedom with NFTs, Josh. How are you today? Thanks for having me on. It's an honor to have you here today. I know the information that you're going to be sharing with us is going to be so important for so many nonprofits. But before we get into all of that, tell us about what you did before your Web3 life. Sure. I've been in uh, nonprofits my entire professional career. I Finished my master's degree and then started working as a camp director, actually, of all things. I was running children's programs for a Jewish community center and then went and interviewed for a programmer's position at another nonprofit. And after the hour or so interview, she's like, you'd be good. And my background is in marketing. And I said, okay, sure. And that took me down now a 15, almost 20 year career now in uh, nonprofit fund development and communications as most Nonprofit professionals and small nonprofits are wearing multiple hats. Uh, and I've always been gravitated towards marketing and communications. And back early when we were using uh, third person and talking on Facebook, Josh Hirsch is doing this. I knew then, and this was like the early to mid 2000s, that for nonprofits, social media was going to be a thing. It was going to not be a fad, but be a real way for not only us to communicate our message and our brand, but to drive campaigns, to drive action, whether that be ideally to raise funds or identify volunteers or advocate for your cause. But social media was going to be this real powerful engine. And as we see today, you can't interact anything with it in your daily life without coming in contact with digital communications or social media. So it's been a great run. And now I absolutely love what I do with Susan G. Komen. I've been with Komen now four years. We started off at the local level. I was director of mission communication for Susan G. Komen, Florida. And when the world ended two plus years ago, we were in Orlando. We were getting ready to launch a new event in the market. It was that Wednesday night, the NBA shut down and we woke up Thursday morning and said, you know what? Can't do this. We got a population of immunocompromised women and men. And it went into the most intense crisis communications event of my career, having to completely shut down event, contact fundraisers, contact supporters, you know, all our permits, everything with the city put to an end. So we went back to our, our office that Friday, which was at a hospital. I grabbed stuff. We said, all right, see y'all in two weeks. Never went back. That was March, 2020. By then, Komen started to go to a work from home model nationally. They gave up the tens of thousands of square feet of lease space in Dallas. CEO moved back to California. The CEO moved back to Arizona. And we started to live in the Brady Bunch world that we've become accustomed to. That July, I got an opportunity to get actually a promotion. So I was one of those you know, rare benefits during the pandemic. We got a new job. 
I went from working for Komen Florida as director of mission to working for the national organization as social content marketing. So now I manage the national channels for Twitter and LinkedIn. I do all, a lot of our strategic analysis of our KPIs or key performance indicators on social and how that really drives our content strategy. Because if you wake up on a Tuesday morning and say, I want to talk about pink elephants in Nepal, well, is your content driving that as such or the analytics selling you to? So really diving into that, seeing what's driving our engagement. When we identify certain trends or certain types of content pieces that are performing well, that are not tricking the algorithm, but are engaging with the algorithm to help us provide better engaging content. Well, we're relaying that to our creative team to create the content that backs that up. At the same time, I'm a nerd and always have been really drawn to, and listen, I'm, I'm a proud nerd, you know, nerds rule the world. And I really was drawn to new technologies and new digital trends. So one of the projects under me was our Facebook challenges, where you run a series of lead ads to get people to engage in a physical challenge. You know, a lot of them that are right around do hundred miles in the month of May, do a 300 mile bike ride, do 25 burpees a day. And once you come into this Facebook group, you're encouraged to start a Facebook fundraiser and then log your burpees or your miles or the steps you take through Facebook messenger which then takes you into a chatbot experience. So I'll nerd out for a second. You know, we've had like on average 35% subscriber opt-in rate for that, which is amazing because once you're in our messenger ecosystem, I can then take you on a various donor engagement journey, whether I want to re-engage you for various campaigns throughout the year or let you know about other physical Facebook challenges we're doing. And at the same time, we've brought in about 85% net new constituents, which is roughly 75 to 80,000 new leads and First name, last name, email, like in our database that we don't have a record associated. And now I can engage them on a whole separate level. So to me, it's amazing that person has started a Facebook fundraiser. They've raised $135 on average, which is wonderful. But I got you on Facebook. I got you a messenger. I've got you on email. So let's see what these people are going to do over the next one, three, five, 10 years. Like we could see someone who's donated and raised $135 and now has become a monthly donor, now a planned gift, now a major donor. I mean, there's incredible possibilities of what's out of us. So fast forward to spring of last year, when I knew about cryptocurrency, I knew that it was a thing. Didn't really know about it from a philanthropic standpoint. Didn't know about the pineapple fund at the time. And obviously since now, well, I've actually had a chance to speak to a couple of people that were sitting in some like subreddit group. And there was this character, you know, if you will, called pineapple that was in there and, and said, basically, give me your wallet. And at the time, it's like, okay, what's a wallet? You know, so they give him a wallet address and he's like, check that out tomorrow. They wake up the next day, there's a million dollars in Bitcoin sitting in their wallet. And like, like real stories of the early days of crypto for good and just started diving down rabbit holes. So I wanted to get Coleman into this space. So I started looking into NFTs and try to understand that whole perspective of what is it from an investment standpoint? What is it from a philanthropic standpoint? What is it from an art collector standpoint? What are the potential utilities that can be done with Web3? And once again, further down the rabbit hole I go, as most of us do, I put together this whole case statement for Coleman saying, all right, here's what cryptocurrency is. And I'm not explaining it from like, here's a blockchain and these are at like, I'm not getting into the technical side. That's way over me. There's way smarter people that can explain that. But I can explain to you the concept of digital monopoly money and how someone can have two Ethereum in their wallet and they want to make a donation moment. And they'd much rather donate that than donate fiat or, you know, physical cash or donate stock. So 
went down further the rabbit hole, identified how we can accept crypto, what are various organizations that are already accepting crypto in the processes, and, you know, successful cases for supports that they've done and found a vendor to you. So put this all together in a poll case statement, presented to our executive leadership team. And it was a good four or five months before, like really starting to get the ears of people. Here's the funny thing. It wasn't until our director of major and planned gifts said, listen, we've got people that are wanting to donate via crypto. And she and I didn't know each other because keep in mind, Coleman has 250 plus employees. We're spread throughout all the country. Our director of major gifts is actually in California. I'm in Florida and I'd never met her before. There's a lot of people I haven't met. I work on a 25 person marketing team and I've never met anyone in person. Like to me, that's just crazy to be working for coming at the national level for two years now and have never shaken the hand of like my boss, like just very strange. But I guess we're kind of used to that by now, you know, good or bad. So I'm connected with Trish. That's our director of major gifts. And Trish is like, I've got people that want to date crypto. I've got a case for support why we should donate crypto. So the Wonder Twins came together and we were able to get the case for support in front of the right people on our executive leadership team. Obviously our financial team needed more pushing because this is like so new, like new fundraising, new finance. What do you mean we're not actually going to see this donation of, of money and it's all of a sudden going to wind up with $10,000 in our bank account? Like just strange things to explain, but you know, I knew we had to be an early adopter. Yes. There are other nonprofits out there doing it already. And they're raising hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars through it. So we're not there yet. Obviously I want to be there, but for the time being, it's like, all right, we gotta get our feet in. We gotta get ready. Unfortunately, we missed October of last year, which is obviously breast cancer awareness month, which you know, when October rolls around, everyone starts thinking Coleman or everyone starts thinking fate. We missed the November getting Tuesday timeframe. I didn't actually get onboarded to the platform that we're using, which is called the giving block. That's what we're using. They're, they're phenomenal. We got onboarded at the end of December. So we had like one last week of end of year giving, didn't really get a full campaign going. So even still here it is, what is it? May now, 2022, I would say we're even still like in the early, like silent phase of our crypto adoption and, and donation potential. We've done some minor, I wouldn't even say a full campaign, you know, we've done some blog posts for it. We've done some press releases. I'll do a various set of social posts and working with the giving block. They're phenomenal. We've been guests on their podcast and Twitter spaces. They've been guests on ours, but we are really not going to do, I'd say a full rollout probably until early September. Uh, cause for us, our, our campaign for national breast cancer awareness month begins September 15th. So that runs September 15th through October 31st. So right now we're going to start putting in the groundwork, if you will, for how we're going to launch that campaign, what are various activations we're going to do, the various emails. And, and I've said like, listen, I need dedicated emails just for crypto. I need to be able to communicate. And, and that's the other thing. A typical nonprofit donor is early to mid sixties female and the typical crypto user and donor is in their mid to late thirties and male. So not our typical audience, which is amazing. So we have the potential as a nonprofit to get in front of a new audience, a new generation of wealth, if you will. And the potential is just enormous. So I'm a geek. I love this stuff and I love what we can be doing in this space. This episode of Freedom with NFTs was funded through a grant from the NEAR Foundation. To learn more about how the NEAR Foundation is building the future of the creator economy, visit NEAR.org. N-E-A-R 
www.thrivethinkinc.org. Congratulations on everything that you've accomplished in these last months in regards to being an early adopter in the nonprofit space. What are you most excited about for nonprofits in Web3? So I think there's a lot of potential when we're talking about Web3 for nonprofits. So much from just simple utility, connecting to people on a different level, because that's the whole concept of Web3 is a sense of decentralized communications and building a community. So in an ideal world, a great you know program that Coma has is our breast cancer patient navigator program. Kind of think of them as a concierge, if you will, working with breast cancer patients, either going with them physically to their appointments or helping them connect and identify resources, identify potential doctors, and just being there as another voice and an ear and a shoulder to crown, if you will. So fast forward to six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, Komen has a office, if you will, in Decentraland, Sandbox, NFT World, whatever metaverse is, is hot that day or, you know, can really meet our specifications. Well, you're 32 years old. Uh, you're a young female. There's no history of breast cancer in your family. Uh, you work in Silicon Valley. You're tech forward and you like, you get this world of Web3. And you just heard that you've been diagnosed with breast cancer. And your doctor says, listen, here's a set of resources. Susan G. Komen is a great one. Here's a, a QR code that you're going to scan. And that QR code is going to take you to a, a form that you're going to complete. And you're going to enter in your wallet address. And you're going to enter in your email address and your Twitter profile. Because as we know, the world is crypto and NFTs lives on Twitter. And that's where we all have our, our avatars and whether we're doxxed or undoxxed and social. And they're going to say, listen, here's a great resource for you. You're going to be connected with Susie. And Susie's a breast cancer patient navigator, but she's located in Wyoming and you're in Texas. And you're never going to meet her. But you know what? You can get together in an office in the metaverse, in Komen headquarters, digital headquarters, if you will, and meet face-to-face and have a real interaction, you know, yes, we can meet on Zoom and have a conversation that way. But if you're already tuned into this space, if you're already experienced with Web3 and exploring metaverses and what this whole world is becoming and you're ready for Ready Player One, well, then jump into the Web3 that we've built, you know, jump into this metaverse office and have your patient meetings with Breast Cancer Navigator there in the metaverse. Like, I truly believe that's where we're going to be going in the next several years. That will be absolutely amazing and will change so many lives. What advice do you give for nonprofits who are just learning about NFTs and crypto? So what I would say is get in early because we're still early to the world of philanthropic NFTs and crypto for social good and get yourself a wallet. I would recommend working with a third-party service because you don't want to have those tax implications as an individual setting it up for your organizations. There are exchanges that have specific programs for nonprofits. As I mentioned before, we work with the giving block. And what's so nice, it's kind of like carte blanche, like we signed up and they take care of everything. They work with the application form through Gemini. That's the exchange that we use. And the giving block basically is a credit card processor, except for crypto. So working with the giving block, we have this landing page on their site. Then you can go on their site and search for healthcare organizations. You can search for 
cancer or, you know, or whatever, women's need, you know, women's health issues and find us there. At the same time, we've set up a landing page on our site. You can go to coma.org slash donate crypto. Got to make it simple. And what's so nice is their widget, their little donation form lives on our site. So in the span of literally less than two minutes, someone can come to our site or go to the giving box, make a donation, enter their information. And if they want to remain anonymous, they can. That crypto, as we know, transfers in the speed of less than two or three minutes, depending on the blockchain, you know, and way is that, and if we've got a high gas traffic at the time, but they get recognition of their donation, they get uh, emailed a tax receipt, and those funds are now in our wallet. And the way that we have it set up with giving block is those funds are immediately liquidated. So within two to three days, those dollars are now in our account. So I mean, it may seem magical, may seem mystical. It's like, what is going on in this world? But if you are a new nonprofit to the world of crypto, I would say identify a, a third party to work with. Don't do it yourself. It just makes it so much easier when they manage the whole process and just sign up, sign up and, and start. Cause you never know when you're going to have a donor that comes along and that says, listen, we want to donate crypto to you. I've got this NFT that I want to sell and donate the proceeds. I would recommend not necessarily accepting gifts of NFTs because it's just like a gift of, of stock. And that's the same thing with cryptocurrency. So an NFT is just a pretty version of crypto is the best way to, you know, I like to describe it to people. It's a JPEG on the blockchain. So having someone give you that JPEG on the blockchain, it may be worth two Ethereum when they donate it to you. But as we know, the market can go up and down and what one day is two Ethereum could drop down to 0.25. It's much more beneficial and especially from a tax and uh, write off and a donation standpoint for that person to donate the liquidated Ethereum or whatever thematic or whatever, you know, token specifically that NFT chain lives on, have them donate the liquidity from that to you and have it be there versus physically donating NFT. Now, if someone came along and said, listen, I've got BAYC number 1742 and it's valued at 230 Ethereum. I might say, listen, you know what? Donate that ape to us because I know that's a blue chip ape and that's going to be worth a million dollars someday. And as opposed to you donating 230 Ethereum, which would be amazing, even at today's market prices, we're looking at half a million dollars. I think that I would rather take a blue chip NFT than take that liquidated cash. But that's just me. Most nonprofits aren't going to be risk adverse when it comes to crypto. Same thing with stock. They're going to want just that cash in hand, and I get it. But a couple of few years from now, when we've got full divisions of nonprofits that are focusing on cryptocurrency as an investment and NFTs as an investment, then we might look at ways that we can have more, you know, aversion to risk in this space and play the market, if you will. But that's very much further down the line. This has been such an exciting and informative conversation so far. And something that I'd like for you to share with us is during this journey of navigating how a nonprofit can leverage Web3 technology, what's your biggest learning lesson so far? Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that want to take advantage of you in this space. There's a lot of scammers. There's a lot of people that are trying to put up fake websites. You're going to get DMs on Discord because the world of NFTs and crypto lives on Twitter and it lives on Discord. The community is really built on Discord. Although there are some incredibly talented don't have a Discord and just live on Twitter alone and sell hundreds of, if not thousands of dollars uh, daily in NFTs. Like it, it's silly, the kind of money that can be funneled into this space. 
but be wary. Don't click on any links of DMs. Like that's the one like main thing that I would give caveat to anyone starting off in this space. And if you haven't been in a rug pool, then you haven't been in NFTs long enough because you know what? It's just going to happen, unfortunately. There's going to be someone that wants to take advantage of you as in any space. And because we're so new in this world, whether it's being philanthropic NFTs or crypto for social good, or just as a crypto investor and NFT investor as a whole, you're going to encounter these you know, nefarious individuals. It's unfortunate, but just be smart and DYOR, do your own research. What has been a community for you that's been so valuable and very supportive? That's a good question. I very much love the various art communities that, that I've been able to go down the rabbit hole. I've taken my love of art and my love of new technologies, and I've really started to ingrain myself in different Discord communities. There's one specific that I love, and that's because I'm a foodie. It's called Shefty. Uh, so Shefty Pizzas was the first project underneath the brand of Shefty. And it's a project founded by Tom Colicchio and Chef Spike Nelson of Top Chef fame, both incredible restaurant tours. Just had a chance to check out Craft Steak when I was out in Vegas. I looked at the menu. I said, all right, I'll just look from afar. I would love to have come on there, but, but I wasn't spending that much on a steak, unfortunately. So becoming a part of this and really getting into a niche community where there's other people that get you, not only just from like, okay, Here's the technology behind NFTs and like, it's really cool, but you all share a passion and a love for food and beverage. And this is what I think is probably one of the coolest things about NFTs. It's access. So I could never walk into an art gallery and say, wow, that's a Lauren Turton original painting. I know that Lauren Turton is this incredible artist and Lauren Turton lives in Paris, France. And, and here I am in Sheboygan, Wyoming, and, and I'm, I'm many miles away from Lauren, but I love this art. And I love her style. You know what? I'm going to pick up the phone and give her a call. I'm going to send her an email. I'm never going to hear from Lauren. But in this world of NFTs, I can step into a Discord that is part of Lauren Turton's NFT project. And I can sit down and have a cup of coffee and discuss Lauren's inspiration. I can discuss Lauren's style. I can go onto a voice chat or nowadays Twitter space because everything is living on Twitter space. Clubhouse was like... And years ago, who cares about clubhouse anymore? And actually interact and have a real engagement and, and build friendships and build bonds with these people from all over the world in Web3 and specifically with artists or even in niche communities. I mean, it's incredible where doors have opened over the last year for me. Like, as I said, I've gotten really ingrained in that community called Shefty. Another one that I've gotten really involved in is called Tunny Money. Uh, Tunny Money is a project by Peter Tunney, who's a world-class artist in that modern street art style. He's based in Wynwood, Miami. He's amazing, like out of this world artist. He's such a recognizable style. And when I heard that he was doing an NFT project, I'm like, I got to get involved. I, I got to see what this is all about. So once again, got ingrained in that community and have now become, you know, personal friends with him and, and friends with the founders because there's no barriers. Everything lives in this Web3 space. And I just wanted to go experience, well, Peter's not a good example because Peter makes everyone feel like their best friend when you go into a studio in this gallery. But, you know, you're not going to have that experience anywhere else but Web3 right now. Thank you for sharing all of that. I love when people share communities they've connected with because someone who's listening to this episode might resonate with that. Before we wrap this interview up, any final words that you'd like to give nonprofits who are exploring NFTs and crypto? So right now, the world is going through turmoil. We've got 
uh, war in the Ukraine, people are displaced. Thankfully, you know, NGOs, non-government organizations, nonprofits that are over there that are wanting to provide relief that have programs. World Hunger Kitchen by Chef Jose Andres is an incredible organization. If you're not familiar with it, I highly recommend you check it out. Basically, if there's a world disaster going on, him and his team are there, they're feeding people. And you can donate crypto to World Hunger Kitchen through the giving block and support his organization. Now, if I wanted to write a you know, check or make a donation online or even like wire funds, it's going to take days for those funds to hit his account. If I made a gift of crypto right now, those dollars, because we'll convert Ethereum to dollars for the sense, those dollars are in his crypto wallet in under five minutes. So my gift, my desire to make an impact is happening now. He can take those dollars in Ethereum or whatever token, because the giving block accepts over 70 forms of, of cryptocurrencies, a form of donation. So he can take that crypto and actually start making good. He can go out and buy more ingredients to go cook for another thousand people for tomorrow. So that to me is incredible, is the complete network and instantaneous connection between NFTs and crypto that we can see, especially when we're talking about crypto for social good. Josh, you have shared so much value, so much information today. I really appreciate you being on Freedom with NFTs. How can we stay in contact with you and how can we stay in contact with Susan G. Komen? Sure. You can check me out online. I'm very active on Twitter. I'm the, the underscore dude underscore NFT on Twitter, or you can find us on that Susan G. Komen. Thank you so much for being on Freedom with NFTs. You know the drill. Get informed and get involved. That's all for this episode. This is your host, Lauren Turton. We'll see you on the next one. I'm your host, Lauren Turton, and it's been an honor to show up for you in this format and support you on your journey in creating your version of freedom with NFTs and Web3 technology. Please share this episode with your community so we can onboard and educate more people so that the masses can leverage and implement this technology. And don't forget, get informed and get involved.